Welcome to another edition of Team Turnbuckle, IB Sports Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is my main man, Ronald Tinsley. Ronald, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic today, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, for a little look behind the curtains, this is the third time we have tried to record <laughs> the AEW NXT portion of this podcast. It should go pretty well, considering we've had a couple of dry runs. We recently swapped over uh, the devices or tools that we're using to make our podcast. Uh, so we're working out those kinks. But hopefully this is the uh, last time we'll do this one. We will be going over AEW and NXT shows from this week. And then we will be putting another podcast up uh, relatively soon that, uh, to be honest, Raw and SmackDown were not great this week. We probably won't spend a lot of time on that and make it more of a money in the bank preview. What do you think about that, Ronnell? Oh, no, that sounds perfect because I'm finishing up. I pretty much just finished up Raw and yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not great and what's a shame is I think that the pay-per-view is going to be really good uh, for those spoiler uh, AJ Styles qualified for the Money in the Bank last night. I guess somebody dug him out of the boneyard grave. Uh, and that actually has now got the men's Money in the Bank looking very interesting because you have him, Daniel Bryan, Corbin, and then some of the younger guys. I think it was a great decision by WWE. We have two great title matches. So we'll uh, we'll get into that on the next podcast. But we'll start with the AEW show. Both AEW and NXT I thought were very good this week. Dynamite, uh, the AEW show, revolved around their TV title tournament, which, again, we don't want to spend too much time bragging on AEW, but I really think that it was smart for them, whether it was something that they had planned all along or if this was something that they threw together because of the circumstances that are ongoing. But to do the TV title tournament, was just really brilliant because it, it gives you, you know, a storyline to play through this that people care about. And the show opened with a just an excellent match between Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes. This was one of the two semifinal matches. It went back and forth. Cody ended up winning the match in a really cool spot where Darby Allen, uh, actually Cody went for the coffin drop first, which is Darby's move. Uh, Darby got his knees up. And then when Darby went for the coffin drop, it connected. But as he landed on him, Cody immediately turned it into a pin and got the one, two, three victory. Um, again, it was just a really good match. Me and you both have been very high on Darby Allen, and he made us look smart in this match and honestly does every time he comes out. He's got a world of talent. I guess my question out of this match is, do you think they made the right decision having Cody go over Darby? I honestly do, um, and 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 I can definitely see how it plays both ways because um, on, on the other side, uh, Darby Allen is has completely grown on me. Um, I wasn't really aware of him before coming into AEW, but um, what he's consistently showing in the ring and you know his strange character, I've really grown, and I, I really uh, I agree with you that this kid's going to be a star. Uh, especially after he puts a little more weight on him. But um, with Cody doing it, I think this was a really smart play. Uh, it kind of makes makes me feel a, a slightly redeemed feeling that uh, I kind of called where this was going. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, um, but Cody, uh, again, put over uh, a, another star, but in a win. So uh, I'm really excited about where this is playing, how this is playing out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that the, I think they had to go with Cody winning here. And it's all about just, you know, giving the TV title, you know, validity, basically, because if Cody goes on to win the TV title and is their first TV champ, Obviously, that's, you know, one of their biggest stars, somebody who is known throughout the wrestling world as their TV champ. And if he ends up losing in the finals, it's, you know, again, the person who beat him beat one of the most established guys in AEW. So it makes all the sense in the world to have Cody go over. 
I, I mean, honestly, it would have been shocking, I think, if Darby did win. Uh, so this was a good decision by them, and, and we'll get to in a little bit uh, later who we think should actually win the tournament because it's going to be at their first pay-per-view. The second match was Wardlow, who we all know is MJF's muscle. He beat a jobber. I don't even know the guy's name. Um, I, I will be the first to admit, though, that I'm having a hard time getting behind Wardlow, and I think that the main reason is just that MJF is out with an injury. We have seen these pairings of a really good cocky heel with the muscle work time and again. Um, you know, I, I immediately think of Shawn Michaels and Diesel. I was thinking about even, you know, more recently Dolph Ziggler. That's how Big E was introduced. Mm -hmm. Was the same type deal with, you know, with AJ Lee. Do you think that, there should be some concern because we don't know when MJF is coming back around, or I guess I should say, is there any chance that Wardlow gets over without MJF or are they pretty much attached at the hip at this point? I, I don't know. And it's, it's really unfortunate too with MJF's injury because uh, obviously Wardlow has the look, um, he's got a decent skill set in the ring. So I, I want to get excited about a guy like this. He definitely looks like he's got the, what you need to build a great, a great performer. Unfortunately, with his limited talking and, and things like that, and there's no real person to really, really put him into a feud with right now. It just gets me concerned. Um, great talent. I, I just hope that they, put him in a good position to at least uh, build himself up, if, especially if MJF isn't coming back anytime soon. Yeah. I, I just hope that MJF is coming back. Let's put it at that. Cause I don't mm. have confidence that he's going to get over without that. So hopefully he comes back and this works because, uh, you know, we've spoke before. We're both very high on MJF and, um, it's been unfortunate that, you know, he was, he was white hot after, you know, the, the turn on Cody. And then unfortunately it appears he has an injury that seems sort of serious because it's been quite some time since he's really been at least physically involved with the, you know, an AEW show mm -hmm. that the next match was the best friends with orange Cassidy at ringside. They won a really good tag team match. It was a no disqualification against Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. You had Penelope Ford at ringside uh, for Kip and Jimmy. This was a match that it really was very brutal. I sometimes uh, cringe. We talked about this with the triple threat match from WrestleMania. When these guys are, you know, having these really physical matches, not in front of a crowd. I understand you have the, you know, the people obviously watching on TV, but I just, I'd hate for somebody to get seriously injured for a match in front of nobody. Uh, I feel like that these matches are made for live audiences because almost nothing gets a pop or a reaction like a, you know, a brutal spot in one of these matches. Mm -hmm. It was interesting that the best friends went over. They have, uh, you know, sort of rode the Orange Cassidy popularity wave. And I feel like that this match was a really good example of how brilliant AEW's decision was to have other wrestlers in the audience to where there's, you know, obviously at WWE, there's nobody in the audience, except for, I guess, the announcers, if you want to count them. I thought it was very smart for AEW to put several wrestlers you know, watching, being their, their normal wrestling characters, interacting. And it played very well in a match like this. I, I can't help but think of uh, Chris Jericho naming, uh, and I'm sorry, I apologize, the, the real guy's name, but calling the guy Pineapple Pete yeah, I don't a few know weeks it ago <laughs> at the ringside. I mean, that, you know, it's just that was one of the best parts of that show. And that was only, you know, able to happen because they have a guy, you know, these guys at ringside. I, you know, do you think that, or I guess I should just ask, why has WWE not done something like this? Cause it could, you know, start storylines between wrestlers who maybe get involved, you know, even just verbally with guys in the ring being at ringside. 
I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, I think they did try that once. I, I'm not for 100% for certain, but I dig it with, with AEW because uh, to what you just said, the match that we're speaking about uh, got created because of using uh, the the wrestlers in the crowd and that wound up drawing this story for this week just because of uh, a havoc and uh havoc laying out orange cassidy last week so i think it's a fantastic decision you still get a little background noise you get you get a little bit of a reaction yes you're not going to get that spine chilling pop that you'll get um with a full you know twenty thousand plus in a in an arena but at least it's playing out so that you have a reaction, you have uh, a little bit of engagement outside of what's going on in the ring. So I'm digging it. Before we move on from this to the next match, what do you think the best friend ceiling is? Especially because I don't think Orange Cassidy is going to be connected with them for long because of how popular he is, you know, with the audience. Do do they have a future of the best friends without Orange Cassidy, or do they need him to sort of be a relevant tag team? Right now, I think it definitely helps them. Um, Orange is probably the – he's definitely a top three, five character, three to five character uh, in AEW, top to bottom. So – it definitely plays with them. I'm liking what I see out of them out of the ring. I do think that they have a uh, championship potential in them down the road, but uh, yeah, I, I it's going to be hard I, unless there's a good angle playing into a, a little breakup. Um, I think that would be the only way that that would help uh, propel them uh, in an upward angle uh, at, with with good speed. And, you know, I haven't seen a report or anything, but one of the things I love the most about AEW from its, you know, start has been how great the tag team division is. It appears that they're not having tag team matches, maybe because they're worried about, you know, the more interaction and close proximity for performers. But, I mean, I know we had this tag team, but, like, when was the last time, you know, we saw the Young Bucks or the tag titles defended? It seems the like they've kind of gone away from that right since then. Yeah, no, and um, I totally agree. Um, hopefully, as it, it, it does appear that we're going to start uh, trying to phase back to reality, you know, state by state, you know, depending on our region. Hopefully, that will allow us to maybe start getting some performances because, yeah, uh, the tag titles were being openly defended. Uh, and visible all the time and now you know you just get a little uh, you get a spot from Kenny Omega here and there but yeah let's get back to that because you're right their tag division is fantastic yeah it was the best storyline they had going in my opinion uh we had a couple of more jobber matches for all intents and purposes Sean Spears literally went over a jobber uh Brody Lee took on the AEW's ultimate underdog and Mario Stunt, who was just, you know, I don't even know if you'd call him a cruiserweight. He's so <laughs> small. Uh, obviously, both guys dominated. I think the big difference was obviously Brody Lee, and it kind of shows the confidence that they have or, or what big picture ideas they have for each of these guys that, you know, Sean Spears went over a guy that, Nobody knows who he is, and at least Brody Lee went over a guy that's on roster. He's had TV time, so it, you know, obviously shows the, you know, confidence that they have in Brody Lee, and that they have big things ahead for them. You know, I, I heard a lot. You know, both of these guys were in WWE, obviously. Both many thought were underused. I didn't see so much with Sean because I, I just never was a huge fan of his. I know he got really big over or in NXT as Ty Dillinger. Uh, Brody, on the other hand, I think is, is going to be a star. I love the way that they're using the angle. Uh, so two questions, and, and you can take them in any order you want. One is, I mean, how should Sean Spears be being used in AEW? And then for Brody Lee, who should they use for his, you know, his marquee first feud? 
Uh, it's hard for me to uh, give anything about Sean Spears. I didn't really see much of uh, Ty, of him as Ty Dillinger in NXT. But uh, like you said, a lot of people talked him up. Uh, I haven't really seen it. And there's nothing really in this past squash match that showed me anything overly fantastic. So I, I don't really know what to do with him. I mean, I, I know they got some really uh, good minds there. So hopefully they have something planned for him uh, when we start getting back to uh, the full roster. In terms of Brody Lee, uh, I love what they're doing. He seems to be uh, having a really good time with doing it. I like what they're doing, uh, giving a new face to what the the Dark Order is being. Um, I feel that for a first feud, he can continue going after the, the one gentleman from SCU that could play uh, pretty well where they maybe actually get him to join the dark order. Whereas they can use that to where they have the dark order as a whole feuding with SCU. So that's something that they could do uh, with, with the way things are going in the, the competitors they have, they can probably turn out some, uh, a few other great storylines, but I think that's, that's something that they can do in terms of uh, continuity. Yeah, I I don't think they did Sean Spears any favor by having him come in immediately, have the feud with Cody. Obviously, Cody, you know, won that. You need to save wins over Cody for guys that you really think are going to be, you know, special and you're going to use. I almost think Sean would have been better off with this being his initial you know, push as being just working over jobbers, get his name over and then work him into another feud, not with, you know, Cody Rose to start out. As for Brody Lee, and I know we had talked about this off air. I, I'm not a big fan of the Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy feud. I, I just think that Jericho, who knows how long they have him, who knows, you know, how many feuds he's going to have in him and to be, I hate to say it, but wasting him on Matt Hardy, who can't really go in the ring anymore. I don't think, you know, they they signed him to be a name, but I don't think they signed him for some big, you know, title push or anything like that. To me, Matt Hardy should be, you know, feuding with Brody Lee. They're in the same realm of, you know, weirdness, I guess Mm. is what you want to say. And to me, you know, it was kind of the point that you said was, even if it's not just Brody Lee straight up goes over him, maybe he could turn Matt Hardy into a stable, and all of a sudden now his stable has a lot more, you know, cachet than it does with Brody Lee, and honestly, just two weird looking dudes. Mm, that and that would play well too, because then, uh, oh my God, actually got my brain going. Think about what they can do with uh, Brody's future matches with him hosting from the the hardy compound and you know maybe throw a movie match together so that would be a great thing because you can get a lot of really great spots and angles from it so the final match on aw and again this whole show revolved around the tv title tournament we had lance archer taking on dustin rhodes i meant to mention because brandy rhodes both accompanied Dustin and Cody to the ring. She took a pretty nasty bump in the Cody Darby match. It was interesting because it didn't lead anything, honestly, uh, more than anything where Cody was sort of, you know, out of it on his feet. She went over to check on him. And at the last second, Cody kind of moved out of the way and Darby actually hit Brandy, knocked her down. I thought that was going to lead to something. It did in the match lead to Cody getting angry, but just normally when a woman of, you know, Brandy's caliber, who by the way is dropped and gorgeous, uh, they normally, you know, lead it to some kind of storyline and maybe they will eventually, who knows, but she was at ring for Dustin. This was just, I mean, honestly, a showcase of how awesome Lance Archer is. I told you that I saw some matches of him in New Japan. He is such a physical guy. And I know we say that with all big dudes, but he really gives, uh, I don't want to say the Brock Lesnar type treatment, but he, he 
it's the same realm where he just seems like he's the biggest, strongest dude, and he can actually beat up most of the guys he's in the ring with. And then to see him do that moonsault uh, for a guy that size where he actually walked across the ropes before he did it, kind of busting out a mini Undertaker. It was really impressive. The match turned when, or I guess completely went Lance's way when he actually hit Dustin with a chair. It was a kick to the chair to the face. It busted Dustin open. Dustin tried to, you know, mount several comebacks and fought valiantly. I thought it was interesting that Lance, I don't believe he kicked out, uh, you know, it was a one count on every single pen attempt by Dustin and Lance had already kicked out. At one point, QT Marshall was going to throw in the towel for Dustin because the match was really getting out of hand. Cody stopped him. It was just moments later that Archer just beat his head into the mat and what was actually a really cool spot and then did the pen to finish the match. You've said earlier in podcasts, and you mentioned it earlier, that you kind of called that this whole TV Turner was our tournament was leading to Cody versus Lance. So we just don't kind of have them thrown together, but an actual reason, like a real reason for them to have their first match. Now that we are here, who do you think is going to win the belt at the AEW pay per view? I honestly don't know because um, up until it, it was really up until this last match. First and foremost, to go back to that moonsault. Unbelievable. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, you know, a little, little taker action. Okay. <laughs> and, then my, and then my jaw hit the floor. That's not taker right there, right? right? It's like, holy like, shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, I, I was highly impressed with how clean that moonsault was. And, again, you know, physical specimen. But to who would win, I don't know like initially i was with you thinking that this is a way to get cody some gold for a little bit but it could also play well if archer wins uh you know jake gets to cut jake the snake gets to cut another great promo and maybe that's something that cody can work towards and either way like you said the uh, archer getting over uh, uh an established star like cody immediately puts some great prestige on that title if cody wins immediately prestigious so they've built this up really great that this tv title is going to mean something regardless of who wins so if i were to actually have to flip my coin i'm probably going to go towards cody but i would love to see a lance archer just to hear uh jake's promo after winning yeah, I, I still think it should be Cody. I think that, uh, and this is no offense to Lance Archer, but, you know, your inaugural champion matters. It really does. The, just the name, the person who holds that belt, it, it's what honestly can be the difference in a 24-7 title and an IC title. I mean, it really does. <laughs> it matters who that first champion is. There's a reason that, like, Dean Ambrose was – you know, the first uh, SmackDown champion when they did the brand split because they wanted to give it to somebody who was, you know, relevant, had a big name. There's a reason Chris Jericho was the first AEW champion. But they have kind of booked themselves into a corner with Lance Archer that it's like he's looked so dominant in every match he's been in, and they've built him so much on the commentary during his matches that it's kind of like, if he loses this match, like, where does he go from here? Because you built him up as this unbeatable guy, and then he loses. Now, granted, it would be to Cody Rhodes, and Cody is obviously no slouch, but it kind of gets back to what happened to Sean Spears, where they, you know, built up this dude, he loses to Cody, and now he's back fighting jobbers. We have not seen how, you know, Hager has rebounded from his loss to Am or Ambrose <laughs> to Moxley, but it's the same deal where, you know, they built him up so much and I thought it was a real mistake to put him in a championship match with a second fight because you build this guy up and then they lose. I mean, we've, we've talked about it many times on this podcast, wins and losses matter. So I really think that they booked themselves into a corner to where Lance Archer wins this. If Cody does win, I hope they have a really good story or reason for it. Because if not, you may have potentially 
already kind of, you know, taken out one of your, you know, next big thing's legs right when he got there by having him lose after being built up so much and lose so quick. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. And I would hate it to turn into another Sean Spears situation because this guy definitely has the, the talent um, even more than the look. So I, I'm with you there. So NXT on Wednesday night was also really good. It does need to be said, AEW won the ratings war this week. Uh, it's actually the second straight week. I actually saw the uh, rating for Raw last night. AEW and NXT during this quarantine is now starting to get closer and closer to what the Raw and SmackDown ratings are, which I'm sure it does not have Vince very happy. Now, don't get me wrong. It's still hundreds of thousands more people watching, but when one show is established and been on the air for 30 years and the other two are both just getting started, that's got to be a little concerning for Vince McMahon and, and the powers that be in WWE. I also want to say that this week's NXT is going to be amazing. Uh, they, it's just a loaded card. We will talk about the main event at the end of this segment, but the we st- let's start with Candice LeRae. She's, you know, got a new look, a new attitude after turning heel with her uh, her mm-hmm. husband, right? Mm-hmm. Johnny Gargano. Husband. husband or boyfriend or girlfriend. Okay. Um, and she took on the returning Casey Cannizzaro. Uh, we hadn't seen Casey in quite some time, which was really good. She's a uh, very quick, very cute little girl, very acrobatic. But this match was all about Candace. She eventually would put her away with the wicked stepsister. Johnny Gargano was looking on with a, you know, almost a creepy smile as then Candace locked in the Gargano escape after the match. What's interesting to me is I've seen a lot of people complaining that they shouldn't have turned Candace heel, that she's better as a face. Uh, you know, we both complained about the end of the Gargano Champa match. And again, it didn't have so much anything to do with Candace. It just had to do with that was such a physical, like all time feud between two great competitors. And then to have it kind of end on such a weird, uh, you know, note, I really thought they should have had a clean winner. That was the, the my main issue. No, no shenanigans when it's a, a feud that's gone on that line. But anyway, I'm so on board with this, and it seems to be against the grain, because if Candace has always been a face, how do we know her heel is not going to work? And this is where wrestling fans sometimes are, as uh, Daniel Bryan would say, fickle. You know, she has not gotten over as a face, not the way that, you know, a lot of people think she should, because she's a great performer in the ring. So now they're going to poo-poo on it, because... She want you know they're going to turn her heel and hopefully give her a push. Are you excited about seeing her as a heel? Actually, I'm with you. I am because you, along with not only the look and the facial expressions, you can see the way that she works is a little more slow and deliberate. So she's actually playing this fully well in my eyes, at the very least. So I'm excited to see what happens. The only downside to me that I could think, and that's only big picture, is uh, there's not many uh, face uh, women right now that's, that's you know fair. possibly in the title picture. But outside of that, I don't really see a downside to it because I, I from what I saw of this match, um, she pulled it. She's gonna pull this heel off just fine. And it kind of makes sense that I, I wish they would do this more with women that are in real life, you know, married, dating wrestlers. Johnny Gargano is obviously one of the bigger names in NXT. So, of course, it would be easy to sell that his wife is entitled and thinks that she, you know, should get everything that Johnny should get just because she's. His wife. So to me, it's kind of an easy storyline. And again, we both think she's a great worker. The face push has not really worked. What's it going to hurt to try this? And I, I love it when they take 
somebody that they know they have talent and give them a chance. People forget that guys like The Rock, not comparing her to her, but I'm saying guys like The Rock came in as a face, was booed, turned heel, exploded. In a lot of ways, Seth Rollins was not really over until he became a heel. There's, there's a laundry list of guys who really found their footing as a heel rather than a face because, quite frankly, it's easier to be the bad guy. Yeah, no, no, totally agree with you, too. Um, Heck, even, uh, I mean, I know guys like The Miz, you know, Miz will have the occasional face turn. You know, he just came off a face turn right before John Morrison came back. And yes, he was entertaining and he had a nice little uh, mini feud with The Fiend. But as soon as John Morrison came back and he was back to his normal self, I mean, money, (laughs) absolute money. When my, when my hand goes up, your mouth goes <laughs> shut. I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, so I'm with it. Uh, the second segment on the show I want to talk about, I thought it was great. And I saw some people complaining about, but it was the newly bro show. And it was Matt Riddle, who I was not big on when uh, I first saw this guy. Because I didn't really watch. You know, it's one of those people that, you see them and they seem like a lot and you're just like, who is this guy? And then the more you get to know both the actual person and the character, you just kind of fall in love with them. And that's the way I've been with Matt, but his tag team partner, because people forget he is the tag team champs right now uh, with the bruiser who is, you know, obviously stuck over and I guess the either UK. Europe or Ireland or UK. There you go. So he's not able to travel. In the interim, they are working in a storyline with him and Timothy Thatcher. I thought it was just fantastic having a, uh, you know, a play on words with the newlywed show, with the newly bro show. I thought it was really good. It was a good segment, but as all segments seem to be like this, it was interrupted. Imperium attacked both guys, Marcel and Fabian. They've been in my opinion, sort of a disappointment thus far in their NXT run. Uh, You know, a lot of this, I think, has to do that they were, you know, put with Walter, which the acts didn't really make sense to me. Uh, Walter's kind of a goofy character. And, you know, Imperium's actually really good. They're a physical team. It appears they're moving away from this. Could you see, or actually, is this the start of Imperium getting a big push and potentially even the tag team? I think so. Um, Bartell and I, I keep forgetting, is it Aikner or Ochner? But uh, these guys are really impressive. Yeah, uh, they're really impressive. You know, uh, right before they did the um, Inter NXT, you know, the regular brand versus UK that allowed me to start uh, seeing a little, and it made me want to watch a little UK. Those guys are really good. So I could see them um, definitely having a shot at taking the ch- uh, championships. I hope it would be after Pete Dunne uh, returns. Let's let's get the, the real team there, just although that they could turn that into a, a, another right. story for, you know, when he does come back. Um, I also had heard a lot of bad things about the segment and I thought the segment was actually pretty funny for, for what it was. So I, I had rather enjoyed the segment, but um, back to Imperium. Um, I think I, I agree with you considering Walt, how Walter was, and then they all, all of a sudden turned him into the, the ring general, you know, maybe that'll give you, give it all of those guys a chance to get back into their true forms. And yeah, I, I definitely can see uh, Imperium as tag champs soon. So next we had Charlotte Flair took on Mia Yim. Uh, Mia really showed a lot of heart in this match. She took a beating from the champ. She kept coming back, which I always love to see. You know, she eventually would succumb to Flair, which that that's not a surprise. Afterwards, Io Shira challenged Flair to a championship bout on next week's show. So we have two big championship matches this Wednesday on NXT. I will be the first to say that, you know, I was really disappointed when Charlotte went over at WrestleMania. I didn't think she needed the NXT belt. Uh, you know, we, we talked about that at nauseum. We had the man RC come on the show and, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> lit into both of us over, uh, our opinion on that. I still agree 
or, you know, because I'm stubborn, I will still think that I'm right. But I will say that I have been very surprised at how much Charlotte is fighting on NXT. And if she continues to fight all the women on the NXT roster, and even if they don't defeat her, it is elevating them just by having the kind of match that Mia had. Um, do you think that they are going to use Charlotte this way to sort of build up the entire NXT women's division? It would be a smart move. Um, I, too, am very impressed uh, because I, I still am sticking by my guns as well. I was not happy with it but am very glad with how they're handling it um, after the fact. And yes, she's also definitely, I mean, the, the NXT Women's Championship was already pretty prestigious. She's taking it to the next level. So, RC, if you're listening, sir, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that part. And yeah, I, I am really appreciating it. And I can't wait for Rhea Ripley to get back. Because uh, I was thinking about my face comment, and I, I forgot that there's that big ace in the hole, right? That, that big face in the hole, if you will, uh, for as soon as she can travel again. So I'm digging it, and I, I love it, saying. and I can't wait to see Io Shirai and Charlotte this coming week because it's going to be a fantastic match. So next we had Dexter Loomis, who has really been getting quite the push lately. He went over Shane Thorne. We obviously discussed, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, Dexter was involved in the Undisputed Era and Velveteen Dream uh, feud. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I, I think we can both agree it's you know smart to keep him on TV, even if he's not involved directly in the storyline each week. And with the fact that Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole is the main event next week, on, or excuse me, this week on NXT, I think that it would not be surprising at all if Dexter somehow gets involved in that championship no, not at match, all. right? Do you think that it is, it's something where he's going to get involved to help Belvin T. Dream, or do you think it's more likely because he's sort of been that tweener, he actually screws Belvin It T. could go either way because on one hand, I feel that it's time time for the Dream, especially, you know, he had that injur- that quote-unquote injury at the hands of the Undisputed Era. Um, he's definitely one of your top three guys there, so having him as the face of NXT wouldn't be a bad thing and it would allow for uh, a transition for UE up to the quote unquote main shows but you're right about Loomis in that tweener role because it wouldn't you know like I had said before wouldn't make sense for him to be a face because he doesn't need the the crowd to feed him obviously with that blank look right uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see what role he plays. And I think just the fact that he had this match, it mm. was not a coincidence. You know what I mean? I think they were keeping him on TV uh, just so he's still kind of in the back of your mind. Uh, Drake Maverick got an upset win in the cruiserweight tournament over Tony Nese. This is such an interesting storyline. For those who don't know, spoiler, Drake Maverick was released. Uh, now, I know this stuff was filmed before. However, they are really building up this underdog, does he still have it, Drake Maverick storyline, which is really weird considering most wrestling fans know he's not with WWE. So do you think that there's a bigger plan like at play here, or was just this a storyline that they made before the cuts, including Maverick, and they're just rolling. I don't them. know. Uh, I'm actually, they've actually really got me into Drake Maverick more than I even cared for. Even when he was initially uh, the face for um, AOP when they came up, I really give a crap, and I am really pulling for Drake Maverick right now. So even if it is how they wrote it and they intentionally quote unquote cut him for him to fight for his job back. They they hooked me with this one. I, I'm totally pulling for Drake Maverick to, to pull this off. 
and you know him and Jordan Devlin when Jordan Devlin can fight for the actual cruiserweight title. I, I'd be I am very excited about it. Yeah, I just hope that it's not you know a tease because it wouldn't make much sense to kind of build and have this storyline and then end up. You know, hi. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's cut. He's he's yeah. He's no longer he's no longer with the company. So, uh, the main event was a great match. Keith Lee retained the North American Championship versus Damian Priest. Uh, Keith Lee is just he's amazing. I heard David Shoemaker say on the Mass Man podcast. This has been over a year ago before I really knew who Keith Lee was that Keith Lee would be the biggest thing in wrestling in the next two years. And the guys on the show were like, what? And he was like, if you've never seen Keith Lee, go YouTube him right now. He goes, there's nobody in the business that is this size, can move this way. And I, I can't remember who was co-hosting with him that day, but they were like, well, what about Brock Lesnar? He goes, no. He goes, this guy's bigger than Brock Lesnar. And he goes, you might could argue he's more athletic, which is insane because their bodies don't you know, hmm. equal – uh, equal levels of athletic, but you see him in the ring. It's incredible. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that they are wasting time with Keith Lee. If you look at what happened, I believe it was the mm -hmm. Survivor Series, correct, that they had him dominate. I thought at that point for sure he was going to come up. He had the moment in the Royal Rumble, and then I thought, okay, for sure he's going to come up. I have it makes sense for him to be the North American champion, but I just think he's above NXT at this point, and I don't want that to piss off people that are you know really team NXT. It's not anything personal. It's just WWE right now is a little boring, and SmackDown and Raw. One way to get things going is to bring up Keith Lee, and I just cannot for the life of me figure out why they have not pulled that trigger. Do you know like? Do you have any thoughts on why they're leaving? You know, it's NXT weird right when now. we were going to, if we had gotten this done, my opinion would have changed from, if we had gotten this done yesterday, my opinion would have changed from yesterday to today because yesterday I was ready to come in full guns being like, no, Keith Lee needs to stay. Um, he's going to be the future, the, the current future of NXT for at least the next year or two. And I would have been content with sticking with that. But it's so hard because you're <laughs> right, man. He is absolutely phenomenal in the ring. Um, you gotta love what happened at the Survivor Series. Uh, the the gift that's out there from when Brock looked at him and was like, "That's a big motherfucker." <laughs> that's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Keith Lee is totally ready for prime time right now. I mean, he's one of those guys. Who could Finn Balor at like or or Kevin Owens? I don't remember. Um, like immediately come up to the big show and jump right to the front of the line. He's that good. I he's oh, I want him to stay with NXT to kind of keep their momentum going. But you're right, that dude's gonna be a bona fide star and should be on the big shows. And I hate to say it, he's almost too big physically for NXT. You know, at least in WWE, there is a handful, maybe more of guys that he doesn't just tower over physically. And, and, and it, I mean, like, that's what I was thinking about is like, okay, let's say that you had him wanting to go over Adam Cole. It's going to make Adam mm. Cole look ridiculous having a heavyweight title versus Keith Lee. With those two guys in the ring, I mean, it's almost like what we saw with uh, Brody Lee, mm. you know, on AEW against Mario Stunt. And, I mean, that's not a knock against Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole is incredible. But he's just so big. I mean, yeah. even Damian Priest is a big dude. And he just looked like he was 12 times yeah. bigger than him. You know what I mean? And I just, I hope they push him up because, you know, with big guys, you don't ever know how it's going to be with injuries. And I always just look at somebody like Batista. Uh, you know, Batista came up 
he had some injuries, which derailed it being even more sudden. But honestly, Batista, within one year of being on the main roster, was main eventing WrestleMania. Brock Lesnar, within six months or seven months of being on the main roster, was main eventing WrestleMania. Goldberg, you know, these are guys that are that big. They have that, like, combination of size, charisma. Keith Lee is that kind of guy. Like, you don't get these kind of guys every day. Move him up to your big show, your shows that are on Fox and USA and that are not on a Wednesday night. Like, it's not – like, rocket science is not that difficult. I hope to see that soon. Um, the last thing I want to talk from NXT is – and we're both very excited about this. Adam Cole will defend his title versus Velveteen Dream on the show this Wednesday. I, you know, we both talked about that we are ready for the Velveteen Dream era to begin. I think it's a shame that he had one what North American title for, which is so stupid considering the match that he uh, wanted I it. Hope... Exactly. I, I still don't understand the the booking decision behind that. I don't know if that was a punishment, what the deal was, but. Who do you I, think's gonna like win you, this match? I'm ready Wednesday. for the dream era to begin. Uh, I'm ready. Uh, I, I don't know if um, for the future we'll continue to have UE. I hope we do because you know you don't get a lot of things uh, as good as a, a really good faction. You don't you don't get a lot of really good staples anymore. So I do hope the guys stay together even when uh, they finally get the, the call up. But I, I, I'm totally ready for the Velveteen Dream era. Um, he, that guy's coming into his own and making him, giving him a nice at least half year or longer title run is well-deserved. The only thing that, like, I'm with you. I think Velveteen Dream should win. Uh, there's two things that give me a little hesitation about it. One is the fact that Adam Cole has had such a long reign that it shows what NXT, the WWE officials, think of him. So I don't know if they want him to lose his title on an episode of NXT on Wednesday Mm -hmm. and not at a pay-per-view, especially after the length of the reign that he's had. The other thing that concerns me is... One interesting thing, I told you that I've been going back and watching a lot of the, you know, shows on WWE, and I did the entire uh, Ruthless Aggression uh, documentary. I think they're all about an hour and 15 minutes. Apparently, Vince is really against stables. I mean, even Triple H had to beg him to let him do Evolution, which... We'll, we'll save this for another episode, but I think Evolution is as good as any stable ever. Like, it was just brilliantly booked. I mean, it, it is what you want to do with a stable in the sense that you start with four guys and the two young guys ended up being world champions and the next biggest thing for the next, like, five, six years. Like, you can't execute any better. But anyway, I do worry that when they get called up, they're not going to be a stable. Like I really do worry that Vince is not going to allow them to stay together. And because we've heard reports that NXT now is here to stay, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being an NXT stable where they keep those guys in NXT a long time because they're already established down there. They're already, you know, a stable and maybe that's the game plan. And again, if I had to guess between Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, I would assume Velveteen Dream with the guy who's going to get called up when that draft happens in, uh, I guess, a month or so. It's about this time of year than Adam Cole. So that would be another That does make a, a lot of sense, title. actually, now that you uh, spell it out that way. And, it, I mean, and it would definitely be a good thing for NXT to have – uh, four guys that you can single or tag up interchangeable so you know the titles can flip around flip and bounce around and it gives a chance to you know build the rest of the crew as well you know uh, 
Fish and O'Reilly are a fantastic tag team, but they do also work great. Do also work great alone. So you know, really I can good. see both of those guys as North American champions. Um, my other man, whose name escapes me at this second, our former North American champion, he's totally ready for uh, an NXT title reign himself. So that would make a ton of sense if those guys were just going to stay there and just be the the guys that you always have to go through if you want to get a piece of gold. So we're going to leave it at that. We will be back this week for a Raw and SmackDown, which I'm going to tell you guys is going to be very brief. And then we're going to spend a good bit of time discussing the money in the bank because, again, the lead-up has not been fantastic, but I'm excited about the men's and women's matches. And, man, I'm excited about the two heavyweight title matches. Like, I can't tell you the last time I was that excited for two matches – with guys that we really haven't seen take on each other. I know Seth and Drew have some history, but not in the dynamic that they are now, where Drew's the face, Seth's the heel. It's, it's just fantastic. So uh, before we get out of here, I do want to say that we now officially have a Team Turnbuckle podcast Facebook group. Please be sure to join that. Please be sure to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We hope that you are following us on that. Absolutely. Ronell Tinsley on Facebook. Uh, you can make an appointment at harvestcreditors.com. Get your credit lit. Our goal is 20,000 families in 2020. Uh, get at me. Let's talk. Awesome. So we will be back, Ronnell, uh, hopefully maybe tomorrow or at the latest Thursday to discuss, like I said, Raw, SmackDown, Money in the Bank. And then because <laughs> yeah. we are going to just keep churning these things out with AEW and NXT happening Wednesday. We will also have a third podcast this week, this weekend, going over those two shows. But as yes, always, Ronnell, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, for the Team Turnbuckle podcast, I'm Keith Lemon, Ron L.